It's Thursday, July the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, tussles over America's reopening and Britain's attempt to avoid mass unemployment. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump complained that school reopening guidelines set by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are too stringent and threaten to cut funds to schools that stay shuttered. Vice President Mike Pence suggested the agency will shortly produce laxer guidelines. Mr. Trump's push to open classrooms comes despite little sign that America is bringing COVID-19 under control. Some 60,000 new cases were recorded on Tuesday, yet another daily record, taking the total above 3 million. Over 132,000 Americans have died of the disease. America's Supreme Court upheld Trump administration rules allowing employers with religious objections to refuse to provide free birth control under the Affordable Care Act. Up to 126,000 women could lose contraceptive coverage if their employers apply the exemptions. In a separate decision, the court ruled that a ministerial exemption shielded religious schools from some anti-discrimination laws covering hiring and firing. Harvard and MIT sued the Trump administration over plans to strip international students at American universities of their visas if their courses are conducted entirely online. Nearly 1.1 million foreign students studied in America in the 2018-19 academic year, and many universities have announced such plans. Harvard's president said the order's cruelty was surpassed only by its recklessness. Rishi Sunak, Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced new plans to avoid mass unemployment in light of the COVID-19 crisis. The government will pay firms a £1,000, $1,259 bonus to retain employees after a furlough scheme ends in October, temporarily cut the stamp duty on homes up to £500,000, and even give diners discounts for eating out in August, among other measures. Protesters in Serbia stormed the country's parliament building, angry at the proposed re-imposition of a curfew meant to help contain a coronavirus outbreak. Protests began peacefully outside the National Assembly in Belgrade, but later turned nasty. Some blamed far-right activists for the escalation. President Aleksandr Vucic later hinted he might water down the lockdown measures. Amadou Gon Koulibaly, Ivory Coast's Prime Minister, died. Mr Gon Koulibaly, who had been receiving treatment for a heart condition, was due to stand as the RHDP's presidential candidate in elections scheduled for October. The party has ruled Ivory Coast since the end of a civil war in 2011, fought over a disputed election. The country has prospered since. And United Airlines told 36,000 pilots, flight attendants and customer service employees that they may be furloughed. If the cuts are carried out in full, that would represent around 40% of its staff. The American carrier has had to contend with the near-total collapse in demand for air travel. It says it could rehire staff once demand returns, currently a distant prospect. And now, here's today's agenda. Objection sustained. Birth control at SCOTUS. 
America's Supreme Court sided yesterday with the Trump administration in a conflict over birth control coverage under the Affordable Care Act. By a vote of 7-2 in Little Sisters of the Poor v. Pennsylvania, the court upheld a regulation that releases employers with religious or moral objections from providing contraception to female employees in their health insurance plans. Justice Clarence Thomas, author of the majority opinion, wrote that the exemption enables organizations to continue in their noble work without violating their sincerely held religious beliefs. In dissent, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, joined by Justice Sonia Sotomayor, wrote that the decision leaves women workers to fend for themselves and contravenes the ACA's goal of public health and welfare and women's well-being. Next up, the final three opinions of this highly consequential term, including rulings in two cases involving access to President Donald Trump's financial records. Relapse, America's Labor Market The jobs report for June, released last week, revealed rapid growth in hiring and a decline in the unemployment rate. So far so good then for those who believe that the world's largest economy will bounce back from lockdowns relatively quickly. Or is it? Economists of a less sunny disposition have instead turned their attention to a weekly measure of claims for unemployment insurance, the latest batch of which will be published this morning. Surveys for last week's jobs report were largely taken in early to mid-June, but since then coronavirus cases have surged across America, prompting renewed social distancing measures and the reimposition of lockdowns. The claims data have been falling since an almighty rise in late March, but the latest reading for the week to July 4th could show that the number of Americans seeking UI has risen once again. America is not out of the woods yet. Come dine with me, the Eurogroup's new president. Finance ministers from the Eurozone gather today to elect a new president of their powerful but private club. Three candidates have put themselves forward. Pashal Donahoe, the Irish finance minister, is banking on support from smaller member states. Nadia Calvino, Spain's economy minister, is an old hand in Brussels, having spent time as a senior official at the European Commission. Pierre Gramegna, Luxembourg's Liberal Finance Minister, entered the contest hoping to continue the Grand Duchy's record of catapulting its politicians into senior EU positions. Whoever wins will take over Brussels' oddest institution. What began as a dining club for the zone's finance ministers became, at the peak of the euro crisis, the currency area's de facto government. It is quieter now, even as the EU is convulsed by crisis. Whether to fight for a prominent role for the Eurogroup will be the first task on the new president's plate. Pro-antibiotics, pharma firms push for new drugs. Amid signs of growing resistance to antibiotic drugs, a group of pharmaceutical companies will today announce a partnership to bring new ones to market. With a $1 billion fund, the Antibiotic Innovation Challenge will acquire or invest in small biotech firms developing antibiotics. The effort will include Pfizer, Merck, Eli Lilly, Novo Nordisk, GSK and others, and will be assisted by the World Health Organization and the European Investment Bank. With the global pipeline of novel antibiotics running dry, antibiotic resistance could kill 10 million people a year by 2050, up from 700,000 today, unless action is taken. 
One study suggested the cost from antibiotic failure could rival that of the financial crisis of 2007-9. The initiative is welcome, but seems unlikely to fix the lack of market incentives that created the problem in the first place. A long-term solution will require health insurers and governments to pay more for these essential medicines. No hours, no power, Rolls-Royce's doldrums. Aviation is one of the industries hit hardest by COVID-19. A trading statement today by Rolls-Royce will give an insight into how badly it has battered a company that relies on making the engines hanging from the wings of wide-bodied planes. In good times, Rolls's services model, selling power by the hour rather than selling engines outright, ensures a steady stream of income. But when almost all the world's big planes are grounded, nothing comes in. Rolls, in the midst of a restructuring as the virus struck, has since cut 9,000 jobs to save cash and will hope that predictions that long-haul travel could take years to recover are exaggerated. The company will also hope that its defence and power business, which accounted for 40% of revenues and the bulk of profits in 2019, remains more buoyant than aviation. Investors will be watching for signs that the worst for aviation is over. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edmund Burke, who died on this day in 1797. The tyranny of a multitude is a multiplied tyranny. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.